Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it. When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five-star experiences to local favorites. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. We all know, from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts, that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. Westholm, which is based in Queensland and the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance, helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM, let's create. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Saber, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about pastrami. Another Lauren Vogelbaum suggestion. Where did this one come from? Uh, this one is because I, I realized that as we are publishing this episode, um, Hanukkah is starting tomorrow night, uh, Thursday night, the 11th. Um, does that sound correct? I don't know what time it is anymore. Sure, let's go with that. Um, and uh, although pastrami is not a uh, Hanukkah Food in particular, usually, a lot of Hanukkah meals involve cheese. And so if you're keeping kosher, you wouldn't be eating uh, cheese and meat in the same meal. But that being said, I I went on like a whole 20-minute like tab opening about latkes before I realized that we've already done an episode about latkes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that happens more and more frequently these yeah. days. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's if it's like us or just like a thing that happens in yeah. podcasting. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably a combination yeah. of both. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's very kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> I try to be kind. Um, well, in either case, I do love, love, love pastrami. Yeah. I, I don't have much pastrami experience um Mm -hmm. 
when I went on my burger tour of Atlanta, I think that was 2012, uh, one of my faves was the pastrami burger at the General Muir. Ooh, um, yeah. I've done the whole cat's delicatessen thing in NYC. It was sure. a very stressful experience. Yeah, I have as well. Hard agree. Yeah. The most I remember is it was delicious, but it was a ton. I remember being like, <laughs> they like, how much do you want? And you had to say like a pound, like by the pound or whatever. Uh-huh. And I like panicked and I just said what the person in front of me said. And it was a whole thing. It was delicious. <laughs> and then I've done Langer's in LA. Um, and recently when I was in Montreal, which I very well could have gotten trapped in, listeners, because it was right before the pandemic really yeah. started. Uh, I had a Montreal smoked meats, which reminded me of pastrami. I know they're not the same thing. Please don't write in. I know, <laughs> it, but it did remind me. Of pastrami. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, uh, uh, half of my family being, uh, Jewish, I'm more, much more culturally Jewish. We weren't really practicing, um, when I was a kid, but, uh, but I did get exposed to a lot of these culturally Jewish foods. Uh, my family also being from like the New York, New Jersey area. Um, they're very familiar with that deli culture. And so, uh, so I did have a lot of I've always I, I'm usually a corned beef girl. If I'm if I'm gonna yeah. go to a deli and get a sandwich, it's usually gonna be corned beef. Um, I'm not sure why. I think it's just a little bit more simple. And for some reason, mm. at, at that point, that's what I'm into. Um, but oh man, a good pastrami is so good, yeah. so good. It's got that spice to it, and it's, oh man, it's wonderful. Um, uh, <laughs> I'll get into that in a minute. There's science reasons why. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah yeah. So I don't know. I, I wanted to I wanted to do a Jewish food. For, for this our near Hanukkah season. And one of these days, I'll be better at life and I'll remember when actual high holy days are coming up <laughs> and I'll try to feature <laughs> some appropriate foods for those. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, also, we are almost in time for uh, National Pastrami Day, which is January 14th. Oh, <laughs> We're like only a month off. Yeah, only a month off. That's pretty good for us. Um, and, and speaking of corned beef, we have done an episode on that, but also we have a very hilarious video, in my opinion, of that time we oh. failed to open the corned <laughs> beef tin. Um, uh. and it, that resulted in one of my very favorite still shots of us where I'm like laughing and you're staring at the camera and holding a knife. That's <laughs> one of my favorite things. <laughs> We've ever done. <laughs> it took us over 12 <laughs> minutes to open that can, listeners. It exists online somewhere. I think it's on our social media. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, tinned corned beef is not the type of corned beef sandwich <laughs> meat that I'm talking right, about right. here, by the way. Um, but, yeah, that was <laughs> our first time attempting to open that type of tin. <laughs> It was hilarious. It wanted to stay closed more than it wanted us to open it. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was. We prevailed in the end. But our social media manager was like visibly <laughs> laughing at us. <laughs> she was. She was. She was like, she was like shaking with suppressed <laughs> laughter the entire time for like 12, 12 minutes. 12 dang minutes. Really, it was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Anyway. Um, Anyway, that does exist, and it's quite funny. Uh, And speaking of, I did want to include my Seinfeld quote for the episode. Um, uh uh Yes. It's been a minute. So, uh, I find the pastrami to be the most sensual of all the salted cured meats. (laughs) And this was George's, one of George's girlfriends, and they had a strange love affair where they would, like, eat meat while they had sex. 
Right. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh. yeah. It was an hey, interesting, you know. <laughs> whatever people are into. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to yuck anyone's yum. That's <laughs> y'all do y'all do you. Um <laughs> y'all do you listeners. <laughs> but okay, let us move on from that and let's get to our question. Uh-huh. <laughs> Pastrami. What is it? Well, uh, pastrami is a smoky, tender, spiced beef bacon. Mm. Um, it, it's a it's a spicy, smoky corned beef. Uh, okay. it's a it's a thin cut jerky that melts in your mouth. All of that sounds delicious. So I'm on board. <laughs> I'm on board. <laughs> uh, um, uh. Pastrami is made uh, by by taking a a cut of beef brisket um, and salt curing it, then then rubbing it with a dry spice blend, then smoking it low and slow, um, and often giving it a final boil and or steam before it's sliced and served. Usually warm, often on a sandwich, uh, often rye and mustard sandwich. Um, and it can also be part of a hot or cold plate, though, uh, like a meat and three or charcuterie, something like that, if you really want to. Um, but uh, but this, this whole process of making it, every single bit of that process adds to the final texture and the flavor of the meat. Um, and uh, and so, like I said, uh, the, the cut of meat used to make pastrami is, is beef brisket, which is the cut that's taken from the lower chest of cattle. Like, um, like, like if you, if you picture, if you picture yourself uh, kind of standing on all fours, it's where your collarbone would be, but they don't have a collarbone. Instead, they have this muscle. So, so it's this really dense and tough cut of meat with a lot of protein and thus a lot of flavor to it, but also a lot of connective tissue because it's part of that support structure that cattle use to like stand and move around. And depending on how you define brisket, because it is different in different cultures, um, the cut does include the like kind of fatty belly or, or navel meat or um, the flat and that's what's most prized for pastrami because um, because depending on how much fat you leave on there, it, it can really help the meat stay moist during this kind of long, um, multi-tiered cooking process. So uh, let's start. Let's start at the beginning. Go through okay. what everything does here because um, uh-huh. I because I feel like that really helps you get an idea if you've if you don't understand the word pastrami and you don't have Google <laughs> and you need <laughs> me to explain it to you. Here's how the cooking process impacts it. So. So that first part is the curing, um, and that can be a wet brine or a dry brine. Either way, it, it involves applying salt, sugar, and usually some seasonings like a garlic, black pepper, coriander, allspice, and bay leaves to the raw meat, and then uh, letting it hang out in the fridge for a few days. And the salt in there will uh, will loosen up the protein fibers in, in the meat. Uh, like part of what can make cooked meat dry is, is that the the heat makes the fibers tighten up. Um, and squeeze out moisture during cooking. Um, so uh, applying that salt and the, thus help keeping them loose helps keep the meat more juicy. Um, a, a wet brine also adds water into the meat for, for extra moisture. A dry brine will create a slightly less juicy but more flavorful meat because you're, you know, you're not adding water, but also, you know, like you're not adding water. So, right. Yeah. During this phase, you can also add sodium nitrite to the mix. And, and this is a preservative that makes cured meats turn sort of pink. You know that like 
pink of, of ham or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also helps stabilize the fats and also prevents uh, the, the growth of the bacteria that cause botulism. So at least one of those things has been historically really important. And, and sodium yeah. nitrate is, in fact, a substitute for this traditional ingredient in many cured meats from the days before refrigeration. Today, it's not strictly necessary, but some folks use it. They like the they like the color. They like the flavor. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, anyway, so you got your cured beef. Next, you apply a further spice rub, um, probably some of the same stuff that you put in your brine. Um, ground black pepper and coriander and uh, granulated garlic are all common. And this is going to char up during the next step, which is smoking. Um, meaning, ideally, that you apply the indirect heat of smoldering wood chips to this hunk of meat for at least a few hours. Um, and, you know, you, you want to do this because you're, you're looking to break down that tough connective tissue, um, which, lucky for us, is made of collagen, which is, is, is tough and stringy at normal body temperatures, but gelatinizes starting around 154 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 67.8 Celsius, meaning it turns from this tough stuff into a melt-in-your-mouth gel. Um, and it doesn't go like like flip switch all all at once. So so the longer smoking times help gelatinize more of it. After that's done, you, you're going to have a slightly dried out, kind of well crusted thing. So so a, so a final boil and or steam will put a little bit of extra moisture back into that dried down meat, making it um, easier and cleaner to, to to slice. And. The result of all of this will be a slice of meat with a with a spicy, savory, blackened crust and a, a tender, melty, gray-to-pink interior with lots of smoke and savory flavors to it. I can hear the, the craving in your voice. Oh, <laughs> I want it so this, much right like now. An air of sadness that you're not eating that <sighs> right at this minute. <laughs> Y'all, I, I, I firmly believe in not eating on air. But I, if I had a sandwich next to me, I would be like, screw you guys, I'm eating this sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> the pastrami is what finally got you to break that rule. <laughs> I can't be polite around a good pastrami. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, that's another thing about pastrami is often eating the sandwich is a very messy affair. So. <laughs> it can be. It really can be because uh, it can be, they're, this, they're often piled quite high. Um, yes. And oh, yes. Uh, th- there is a in fact, a, a Vice article that I didn't read, but I did click on that says, actually, New York-style deli sandwiches are too damn huge. Um, <laughs> so thanks for that info, Vice. <laughs> Coming out strong. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Vice has an opinion? Weird. Um, <laughs> sorry, I don't know where all that shade came from. Or, I mean, I know exactly where it came from. But anyway, like I said, I can't be polite around pastrami. Um, <laughs> so anyways, uh, all, all of this treatment of this beef to turn it into pastrami is super useful for a couple reasons. Um, well, I guess like three reasons. Because first, like like seasoning is nice. Like we like that sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but okay, so that's for a second. 
Um, it helps preserve the meat, uh, keeping it edible for longer by killing off any microbes that might be living in or on the meat. Uh, salt and sugar are both desiccants, meaning that they, they dry stuff out. Microbes generally need water or moisture to live. Um, the heat from the smoking process and some of the chemical compounds in the smoke itself also help kill off microbes. And, uh, and, and then third, it really helps make these, these tougher and thus typically cheaper cuts of meat more tender and delicious. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we know it's delicious, what do we know about the nutrition? <laughs> uh, well, you know, depending on the exact cut of meat that's used, you know, meat is a natural product. It's all different. Um, and exactly how much fat is left on it. Um, uh, pastrami tends to be a fairly lean deli meat, um, despite the fatty mouthfeel, because because a lot of that mouthfeel comes from the gelatin, not from actual fat. Um, mm -hmm. It often does contain a lot of sodium. Um, so if sodium is something that you're watching out for, watch out for that. Um, it's got a really good punch of protein. I mean, you know, eat a vegetable. <laughs> like we always say. Always say eat a vegetable. That can be that can be a pickle. I will allow you that a good <laughs> deli pickle is a vegetable for this one. Mm. Mm. And delicious alongside pastrami. <laughs> yes. Uh, I didn't find much in the way of numbers. I did find one article right before this about the number of bacteria based on the length of days. Oh, of yeah, I think I saw that one. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff about about like smoke levels and yeah. like all of the yeah, yeah. Those weren't exactly the numbers I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I did know, I did learn there's an annual pastrami festival in Warsaw, Poland, which sounds amazing. Ooh. Oh, I my know. gosh. I would like to go to there. I absolutely would, too. And if any listeners have been to there, please let us know what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Yeah. I, oof. Okay. Oof, indeed. Because right now, I can only dream. Yes. <laughs> I believe one day that dream will be a reality. <laughs> But in the meantime, we must look back to the past. Yes, uh, yes, we do have some history for you. But first, we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm -hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks, but I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. 
because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) Westholm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, uh, humanity, we've been smoking meat for, like, a long time. Yeah, like a pretty long time. Yeah. Uh, And that probably in itself could be a whole separate episode, so let's just leave it at long time for now. Um, Some sources trace pastrami's history specifically to an innovation of the 13th century Ottoman Turks called pasturma, meaning to press, a meat that uh, usually was mutton or beef or goat um, that was dried and salt-cured for preservation and then spiced. Uh, The story goes it was also tenderized by placing it in saddlebags while riders rode on their horses, which was also the story behind Hamburger in a recent Hamburger episode. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Pasturma traveled along the spice routes up to Europe by at least the 1850s, and Eastern Europe, and particularly Romania, really embraced it, where the favored meat may have been goose, uh, but they made it with all kinds of meats, and mainly beef. Uh, It seems that that goose thing is from one source, so 
you know, mystery's history. Um, in Edward T. Blakely's 1878 work, A Handy Dictionary of Commercial Information, I oh. love the title, mm-hmm. um, he described the product as, quote, ox, sheep, or goat's flesh salted with garlic and spices and dried in the sun for winter food. Okay. Winter food. <laughs> But, okay, a lot of histories of pastrami start in 19th century America, a creation of newly arriving Romanian immigrants. Now, some versions of the story put it um, arriving at New York City first or being this thing that was created in New York City first, while others put it as arriving with Czech and German butchers who settled in Texas, which was sort of a maybe people who, like, barbecue brisket in Texas really wanted this story to be a thing. Um, And then those butchers would have made their way to New York City. However, it seems that these smoked meats first took hold in North American places like New York, um, like Montreal, like Chicago, where meat packing companies made it nationwide. For some context, Germans made up the majority of immigrants arriving in the U.S. up until around the 1870s. Newspapers in New York for German grocers featuring pickles and cheeses and meats were often labeled under delicatessen. At the time, these were fairly fancy establishments known particularly for meats. A decade later, more immigrants from Romania began arriving. It's estimated that up to 75,000 Jewish Romanians arrived to New York between 1881 to 1914, and many of them opened up delicatessens of their own with added kosher items. And then, of course, refrigeration. When refrigeration came along, pastrami makers could use a weaker salt brine, meaning the final product was softer. Um, While the origins of the name remain unclear, some suspect it was around this time that the Romanian word pastrama morphed into pastrami because it rhymed with salami. (laughs) Shrug emoji. I don't know about that, but (laughs) I mean, I it makes sense to me, but also it, it's like one of those things where do I just want it to make sense? Is yeah. that you know <laughs> what it's I mean? Just sort of cute. You're just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, either way, could be. <laughs> um, of note, no one could settle on a spelling or like even a precise name for pastrami until the 20th century. Adding to all of this confusion. It always blows my mind when that happens. I remember Portobello was the same. Right? Like, yeah. Is this? <laughs> and you start to feel like it's one of those Berenstain things where you're just like, oh no. Exactly. I, like, like, which reality are we living in? That's right. Are we in the Portobello or the Portobello reality? <laughs> oh, dear. Mm. Deep thoughts on this show. <laughs> um, references to pasterma in the U.S. don't appear until the 1890s when makers of the stuff direct from Eastern Europe arrived in the country, or written references specifically. Um, the first known written instance of a company selling pastrami comes from 1897, and it sort of had to do with the grizzly murder. <laughs> Well, okay, okay. Yeah. All right, sure. Yeah, no, people people in the late 1890s were, like, really taken with uh, with news media about grisly murders. So, I guess this tracks. <laughs> I have to say it was a hard turn for me in the research, but... Um, so, <laughs> that year... Adolf Louis Lutgert, a big name in the world of Chicago sausage, was convicted of murdering his wife, destroying the evidence, and her body in a sausage vat filled with lye. However, 
Not everything was destroyed. Authorities found a tooth, some rings engraved with the initials of Louisa Luckert, his wife, um, and some steel corsets. And yes, uh, this story enthralled the United States. It was all over. Uh, it was this like source of dark fascination. And people in the sausage biz, you know, they didn't like it, Lauren. They oh, like it. weird. That's very strange. I can't imagine why. Yeah, yeah. Uh, take this quote from the State Journal. The sausage makers declare that when the first alleged discovery of the residuum of Mrs. Lutgert was made public, the appetite for sausage fell off to an extent that nearly bankrupted them. The butchers, their customers, they assert, would make purchases of pastroma, of pepper roulette of beef, but would shake their heads darkly when sausage was mentioned. Ah, a dark head shake, like, mm-mm, you're not gonna <laughs> fool me with that. <laughs> ah. And some speculate that to make up for the loss of sausage sales, butchers may have turned in part to pastrami. Huh. Yeah. I definitely wasn't expecting this in the pastrami episode. But okay. Uh, what what company really made pastrami take off? Who can we point to? Of course, there is debate. Of course. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So one contender is Cats. Yes, this the famous New York City deli featured in When Harry Met Sally, among other things. Mm-hmm. Um, most sources put them opening in 1888, and while there are no clear records of when they started selling pastrami, it was probably pretty early on. It was probably pretty close to opening. Um, a Lithuanian immigrant Susaman Volk's butcher shop in New York City also lays claim to being the first to do this, um, to really take pastrami to the next level. As pastrami legend goes, a Romanian friend of Volk's preparing for a visit to his home country offered up his pastrami recipe if Volk would store his trunk while he was away, which sweet deal, by the way. I, I don't right? know that settles out. <laughs> yeah, um, like, come on. Like, that's a, that, like a, a recipe is a very important thing. And like, I mean, a trunk isn't that bad. Like, how big of a trunk was this? Like, yeah, what was yeah, in maybe? it? Was there knocking from the inside? Was Ooh, the trunk haunted? Yeah. Like, what's going on with this trunk? Oh, anyway. yeah. Good, <laughs> good questions. Good insight as always. <laughs> we need to know more about that trunk. But <laughs> in the meantime, this recipe, recipe was a really huge success. Such a success that um, Volk expanded uh, by some accounts opening the first New York deli as his customers would frequently ask for a slice of pastrami on bread. However, surprise, surprise, historical records don't really back up either of these stories, (laughs) especially like timing-wise. The details are sort of there, but the timing is a little exaggerated for uh the earlier (laughs) rather than later. Yeah. In either or neither case, though, it was during this time that pastrami was going mainstream across the country, thanks in part to industrialization and the establishment of rail lines across the the country. A grocery in New Mexico ran an ad for delicacies received that included, quote, smoked roulade, smoked breast, knockwurst, pastroma, goose liver sausage in 1899, and a Macon, Georgia grocery (laughs) ran an ad for, quote, smoked salmon, hard salami, smoked breast, pastroma, bologna, that same year. Pastrami no longer referred to an air-dried product in these particular cases, but a pickled or brined one. And to add to the confusion, uh, many meats were prepared this way, that were prepared this way, were called um, some form of pastrami. Like, it, no joke, there were like 20 words people were using for pastrami. Wow. At this time, and it could have meant a lot of different things. Um, 
It wasn't until the 1920s, though, that the New York City Deli became this almost symbol of Americans and Jewish Americans in specific. Um, they became these places of solidarity and gathering. Yeah, yeah. For for a lot of uh, Jewish Americans, I, I think that um, these, these like, non-secular places of gathering were really important because, like, maybe they weren't religious, but, you know, but they still wanted to have this shared culture. And, um, and yeah, uh, delis were, were there for that thing. Delis were also a big part of New York City theater culture around this time and for the next few decades and still to today. Um, uh, you know, the, these, they, they were becoming, delis were becoming these, like, approachably middle-class places that still had this this adjacency um and and this um kind of historical record of being fancy um so uh oh gosh there's a comedian who said uh something to the extent of i'm so sorry i don't have the quote right in front of me but he said uh if you got an ulcer from the food here it would be wearing a tuxedo (laughs) (laughs) i love it yeah, a lot of delis do have the, you know, the walls of celebrities that have been there. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, which is very, I find, delightful. Mm-hmm. Speaking of. <laughs> yeah, speaking of. New York City's Carnegie Deli opened in 1937, and it's closed now. But I, I was, I've been there, too. I've oh, been there, too. I don't think I ever made it to that one. Um, or if I did, I it was when I was younger, Maybe like eleven or something, if it was still open then. Um, uh, but it was uh, the one featured in Annie Hall back in 1977. Um, uh, Woody Allen's character um, goes there with. I haven't seen it. I, I assume it's 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 Annie Hall. It's the Diane Keaton character. Um, but but he, but he goes and he is taken aback, aback uh, when <laughs> when she orders a pastrami on white bread with mayo. Oh, no. Well, the mayo, like, I don't know about the white bread, but the mayo's <laughs> out for me. <laughs> so I, I can mean, understand. <laughs> I do, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, that kind of sounds delicious, but it also doesn't sound like a pastrami sandwich. It sounds like something different mm. to me. Anyway. Mm. Well, anyway. <laughs> um, further, uh, further immigration of Jewish American populations throughout other parts of the United States brought some of these New York style delis to um, f- further out to to Los Angeles and more into Miami and uh, in the South um, in the uh, 1940s. And in 1962, the, the Dartels uh, debuted Hot Pastrami. And a year later, it climbed all the way up to number 11 on American pop charts. And I'm not going to lie, I have not heard this song. I don't and believe I, did not, I have as well. I didn't know it existed, but it came up in my pastrami research, so here you are. Um, and then When Harry Met Sally came out in 1989 with a very famous scene in Cats, mm-hmm. uh, Cats' Deli, um, and was also featured in Enchanted, I guess, which I could Google, but I would, I'd rather the listeners let me know if I'm incorrect. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I read it in a couple places. I haven't seen it, so I can't confirm and I've learned with sometimes even people you trust online are incorrect about these films so you know I you can't you can't believe everything that you read on the internet or hear in a <laughs> podcast I know it's weird I know it's weird um yes. I have seen Enchanted and I don't specifically remember that scene I think you'd like it it's super cute I uh it's it's very self-aware about what it is uh Adina Menzel is in it it's 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 adorable okay I mean I think I would like it too you know, I just, it's somehow I've 
not seen it all these years. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can watch it and confirm or, or deny this uh, pastrami allegation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I do have a YouTube video here of the Dartels playing hot pastrami. <laughs> One day we'll, we need to do that. the podcast on songs about food. And oh, just, yeah. Uh, oh, man, mm-hmm. we really do. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to have a whole lot to do. I'm looking at the lyrics right now and they don't seem to have a great lot to do with pastrami. (laughs) How Um, misleading. It, I mean, they, they do say like mashed potatoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot pastrami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baby shake that thing. (laughs) Oh gosh. Wow. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Once again, I am by the turn this is taken. (laughs) This is a twisty, topsy-turvy episode. Murder. Sexual songs of pastrami. Yeah. A very risque Seinfeld reference. I'm telling you. (laughs) I, I I don't really have... I don't really have a lot. Um, to wrap that up with, uh, I <laughs> thank you for the investigative journalism. Apparently, no one can be polite around pastrami. Um, there yes, you go. That's what there we have go. learned today, uh, and that's what we have to say about pastrami for now. <laughs> uh, we do have some listener mail for you, but first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks, but I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. 
how doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, West Holm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) West Holm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia, and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with (laughs) I was trying so hard to remember the like sandwich noise from Scooby Doo. Oh, yeah, it's kind of like springy or sproingy. Yeah, it's got like a yeah, but but then I try to combine it with like zoinks, and that's what (laughs) happened. I don't know that I need to explain it any more than that. I I think you've explained yourself plenty, Annie. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. <laughs> uh, speaking of, I guess, Heidi wrote, I know there are many regional burger variations you could probably cover, but I just want to share my favorite burger variation from Minnesota, the Juicy Lucy. Yes. It is a burger, but instead of the cheese being the topping, the cheese is stuffed on the inside of the burger before it is cooked so that when you bite into the burger, you are met with molten, gooey, cheesy goodness. So good. There is much debate and (laughs) argument as to which Minneapolis bar invented the Juicy Lucy, Matt's Bar versus the 5-8 Club. And since then, many other bars and restaurants have followed suit with their own versions of the Juicy Lucy on their menus with different varieties of cheeses, toppings, etc. When travel is a thing again, if you ever find yourselves in Minneapolis, St. Paul, definitely find a way to indulge in a Juicy Lucy. Oh. Done. Done and done. Yeah. Um, no problem. <laughs> mm That sounds delicious. I've had a, I've definitely had burgers with cheese stuffed inside, and it's always fun. Oh, but I I, as we said, a lot of people wrote in about the Juicy Lucy. Yeah. So the Juicy Lucy will have its day. It will. It will. I'm I'm trying to think. I don't think I've had a burger with cheese inside. I, I know I've had a hot dog with cheese inside. 
For a while, for a while, my my family kept like accidentally buying hot dogs with cheese inside for like grill outs, <laughs> and it was always this very like you again, again. <laughs> Why is there cheese inside this hot dog? <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. The mid nineties were a confusing time. Oh, that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is right around. This is right around like ninety six, probably. So if that mm. gives you an idea. Mm-hmm. Um. Well. well, anyway, Rachel wrote. <laughs> I was listening to your ginger episode, and you mentioned Google specificity and disasters. This story popped into my head, and I felt the need to share. In college, I was visiting one of my friend's parents' home along with the rest of our sweetmates. We were playing categories in their living room while my friend's mother was in the same room on the family computer. Oh no, I'm old. <laughs> uh, one of our friends had come up with an answer to the food category that the rest of us questioned. I will save you from similar disaster by not mentioning the specifics. Since she was right there on the internet machine, sweet old mom kindly looked it up for us. The first search result was from Urban Dictionary. It was not a food. She read it out loud to our whole group, and if I recall correctly, we allowed the friend who had come up with it to have the points, despite having come up with a wild, extremely graphic, and probably made-up sex act instead of a food, because she had earned it by not dying of embarrassment and or laughter in the process. On the actual topic of ginger, pumpkin pie with ginger snap crust is a holiday must-have in these parts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Speaking of not being able to be polite around pastrami. Oh, gosh, right? Gosh. Look, this very thing has happened to me more than once on this show. Uh, oh. The Urban Dictionary definition. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a risk. It, it, is, it a risk. is. It is. And there are some things that cannot be unseen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those Google disasters, they get oh. us all, like we said. Mm-hmm. But. I'm glad you've got a fun. It sounds like a fun memory. Yeah, yeah, and it, it sounds it sounds like it sounds like the mom in question was down. It sounds yeah. like she was chill. So yeah. that mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's that that's the real. As long as no one was terribly offended, I count that <laughs> as an absolute life. win. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and also yes to pumpkin pie and ginger snap crust. Oh that yeah, sounds so good. Oh yes. Ugh. Too many cravings. A lot of, uh, I've got a confusing set of cravings going on right now. My body doesn't know what to do. Um, But that's also not uncommon on the show. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) gosh. Yeah. Or just in daily life. I mean, it doesn't have to be a show day. Yeah. It's just all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I basically just want like a a weird international buffet for every meal. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got, you know, a little peek behind the curtains, we've got a real mismatch of topics coming up. And I'm kind of researching them all at once. And I'm like, wow, this is bizarre. (laughs) I don't know what to do with all of this. (laughs) So you have that to look forward to. Yeah. Yes. But in the meantime, thanks to both of those listeners for writing in. If Mm -hmm. you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way.
Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings.